It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. everyone, welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend for the first of our shows from spring training here at the Indian Spring Training Complex in Goodyear, Arizona. And we have a loaded show for you today. We'll get right to it after the break with Josh Tomlin joining us, Indian starting pitcher, beginning his 10th major league season. And uh, Tomlin filled us in on why this team is so special to him. It's uh, These guys I've played with for five or six, seven years now, and um, you know, to think that we have a chance of doing something we all set ourselves out to do in the very beginning is pretty special and it's very meaningful for all of us. Um, and, you know, to be able to experience the ups and the downs with these guys for as long as we have, to be able to reach that end goal of winning World Series would mean everything to apply to the city, to us, to this organization. Um, and it just kind of cements that brotherhood that we all have already. We'll stay on the pitching front, and we'll also be joined by Andrew Miller, who likes what he sees from this year's ball club. I think we're excited. I think uh, we had a really good regular season. We didn't do what we wanted to do in the playoffs, which, you know, the, the goal is to get there. Anything can happen, and, and we saw that last year. But we think we have the, the right pieces. We have to go out and, and grind through another season to get there. But we think if, if we can find our way into the playoffs, this is the team that can win it all. Also on this week's show, some thoughts on the life and times of Tito Francona, who passed away earlier this week. The dad of tribe manager Terry Francona, a former Cleveland Indian who had some great years back in the late 50s, early 60s, passed away at his home in New Brighton earlier this week. And Bobby D will have some great looks back at the life and times of Tito Francona. That's all coming your way as Tribe Talk gets rolling on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Great to be back with you from Goodyear, Arizona, the Tribe Spring Training Complex. It is Tribe Talk from Spring Training, and we begin visiting with Josh Tomlin, the Indian starting pitcher who a year ago went 10-9, and an ERA of 4.98. Second straight double-figure win season for Tomlin, one of five Indians pitchers to reach the double-figure win total mark, part of an outstanding 
starting rotation and pitching staff in general. This season will be the 10th major league season for Josh Tomlin at 33 years of age. He has made quite a career for himself after the Indians picked him in the 19th round out of Texas Tech back in 2006. And at this stage of his career, how does Josh Tomlin approach spring training? Each season kind of entails its own different little characters to it. And uh, I think the the season before kind of dictates how you kind of move forward in spring training just because of if you have injuries or you log a bunch of innings or you kind of change your role a little bit. Maybe you go in the bullpen, maybe you're a starter, maybe – you know, things can kind of change a little bit, but um, as things stand right now, I feel like uh, you kind of know your routine. You kind of get in your routine pretty early, and you always, in today's workout world or today's kind of, you know, not technology, but the way things are kind of evolving and how you work out, there's always different ways of kind of going about your business in the off season. So you try to bring them here and try to implement them a little, little bit, little different exercises every year. So you try to figure that out as quick as you can and implement them with the days off the mound because there's a lot more days off the mound during spring training than during the season, obviously. So um, you just kind of figure that out as quick as you can and roll with it. You have a new pitching coach. He has some familiarity with the Indians. I I know he hasn't been the major league pitching coach in in your time in the major leagues here, but what has Carl Willis done to try and get up to speed with you on on what you need and and vice versa? How has that gone so far? He just had the conversation of what do you need? would you like to have this many days off in between? Would you like to have one day off, two days off? What you, you know, kind of what are you what are you feeling? Or what are you feeling? And if these things need to change, let me know. And um, it's been great talking to him so far. And um, you know, I I speak. I think I feel like I speak for every all the pitchers right now that we're looking forward to getting going and and, and picking his brain as much as we can. And um, you know, trying to learn any kind of tricks and trades we can from him to try to get better. And um, you know, all the knowledge that he's had over the years being a pitching coach is. Is very beneficial, and we're we're very you know fortunate to be able to get a guy like him um, come in and and um, you know kind of be our leader. So we're looking forward to getting going and, and rolling with it. What made Mickey Calloway so good? I think it was just um, you know kind of the same thing. They all kind of offer the same thing. It's kind of the the trust factor. You know, any anytime you can get a coach that that whether it's right or wrong, but you believe it and you trust it, that conviction goes a long way. And you know. <clears throat> There's a lot of technology out there nowadays. There's a lot of ways of seeing how a pitch moves, seeing what a pitch does, seeing the OPS, seeing there's a lot of information that can be bundled up and thrown at you and say decipher it and figure it out. Um, and we've been pretty fortunate to have pretty good coaches and, and stuff to be able to give you that information, but they decipher it that best fits you at the time. And I, I feel like that was what made Mickey so well. He was, um, you know, he could get the information and kind of decipher it and say, okay, this guy's hitting zero. 80 on curveballs throughout the league. So, you know, TB, you and Josh, the guys are, um, better have those big 12-6 curveballs. This is probably the best thing. But, you know what, he's hitting this on this guy's curveball. He, he could just kind of figure out the shape of the pitch, how the pitch worked, and try to make it benefit you as much as he can. And, um, you know, talking to Carl early on in camp, he was kind of the same way. He's like, you know, I'm a bit of an old school guy, but I, I like the, I like information. And, I, and I, you know, information is power. If we, the most, more information we can get and decipher it as quick as you can, that's going to benefit us the more we're going to be able to use that. And, um, you know, it's the same, that was the same kind of mindset Mickey had going in. Um, it kind of worked out well for us. Josh Tomlin <coughs> joining us. Team-wise, uh, your first couple of years in the major leagues, the team struggled. But since 2013, high expectations for this team every year. How has spring training changed because of that uh, in recent seasons for the Indians, expectations-wise? I think it's 
is less of a it's less of a of, of a kind of a, a conditioning standpoint of things. It's not you don't come here and you try to see how well guys are in shape. They come here to try to get ready for the season, and we have one goal in mind, that's to be ready to play in October. Um, you know, play well throughout the season, but be ready to play in October and, and um, be able to finish our goal in October. But, you know, once you get a bunch of guys that have won, um, that know how to win, that's kind of won together, they you have that mindset of coming in, competing, you know, having fun with each other, um, building relationships with the new people that are around, the new faces, and trying to welcome them as quick as you can to this culture of what we, we're trying to, we've tried to develop here the past four or five years now. And the more we can get these guys to feel at home, the more we can get them to feel comfortable around us and around this, this clubhouse, around the city, then, then the better off they're going to be hitting the ground running in April. And, and that's the main goal is to try to get these guys in here and comfortable and, um, you know, compete with them a little bit and, and let them know, like, you know, you're welcome here. The, the, the reason why you're here is because you can help us get, all get better. And, um, you know, that's the, that's the biggest thing is um, getting in, getting senior faces, getting everybody and, and, and hit the ground running and, and build that camaraderie and that chemistry early on as you can. Last year's spring training, the team was coming off a tremendous postseason, taking it as far as they could without winning at all. But there was a general good feeling about how things went in 2016. A disappointing ending to 17 with an early exit. How has, is there a different feel through the offseason and now here in spring training as compared to a year ago? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, we we had unfinished business in 17 and we didn't get the job done. We all know that. Um, we didn't reach our expectations, but that's why there's another year. We have this year to try to go out there and do that. And um, whenever you're at home watching playoffs on TV, it's, it hurts, you know, because you expect that to be you. You expect that to be your team in there, and it wasn't. You know, we fell short of our goal. We got beat by a better team at that time, and that's how, that's how you have to, to take it is, is the Yankees got hot. They, they were playing better than us at that time, and they beat us. That's all there is to it. There's no... You know, we beat ourselves, none of that stuff. It was, you know, we we fell short of our goal. That's all the thing you can do. This is a team game. We're all responsible for what happened. So, you know, our job is to come in, get better, figure out what we did wrong in that postseason, come in, have a good season, get back, and then try to finish what we wanted to do in 2016. And you'll do it with a, a lot of familiar faces, as you mentioned. Um, and you've been here as long as anybody. What does it mean to go through it with with Brantley and Kipnis and, and Kluber and, and guys who've been here a while now to still be here, maybe longer than, than a lot of situations around baseball? It's uh, it means a lot. It means the world actually. These are, you know, these guys you talk about are, are my family, and and my wife will tell you this is right off the bat. Like that's that's Josh's other family. Aside from us, that's that's where he feels the most comfortable. Um, but. It's uh, these guys I've played with for five or six, seven years now, and um, you know to think that we have a chance of doing something we all set ourselves out to do from the very beginning is pretty special and is very meaningful for all of us. Um, and you know to be able to experience the ups and the downs with these guys for as long as we have, to be able to reach that end goal of winning World Series would mean everything to I feel like to the city, to us, to this organization. Um, and it just kind of cements that brotherhood that we all have already. Boy, some great thoughts right there on the heartbeat of this team and what makes it so special to Josh Tomlin and so many of the other players in that clubhouse. 
And as cool as they come on the mound in the late innings is the big left-hander Andrew Miller. Last season went 4-3, and three, an ERA of 1.44, and tremendous strikeout totals. About a, a two-to-one ratio in terms of strikeouts to innings pitch. Just incredible for him. Limited last year in the second half of the season due to knee issues, but he's fully healthy, and he likes the feel of this team heading into a new season. I think we're excited. I think uh, we had a really good regular season. We didn't do what we wanted to do in the playoffs, which, you know, the, the goal is to get there. Anything can happen, and, and we saw that last year. But we think we have the, the right pieces. We have to go out and, and grind through another season to get there. But we think if, if we can find our way into the playoffs, this is a team that can win it all. People talk about, you know, the pieces that we lost, but not many people focus on what we have going back. Just speak to that. Yeah, I think a lot of the core, you know, a lot of the team is here. We're certainly going to miss, you know, especially, you know, Carlos is going to stand out as somebody that we're going to miss. We lost some bullpen pieces. Brian Shaw's been a staple. You know, Joe Smith did a great job. It, there's a lot of guys that are going to have big shoes to fill, but at the same time, I doubt there's too many teams that have as many pieces coming back as we do. And, and guys had great years, and it's such a young team. I think guys are still getting better, so we can be better this year than we were last year. We had some injuries last year, too. Just speak to that and uh, how we battled through that and, and getting some pieces back in that regard. Yeah, there were a lot of injuries, myself included, and guys stepped in and did great jobs and filled those roles and had the opportunity. So I think, you know, hopefully they, they earned a chance to earn, you know, bigger roles this year. But if, if we can get Kipnis for a full year, if we can get Chisholm, if we can get Brantley, that's going to help us. I think that, you know, those are all-star players that, you know, we missed a significant amount of time with last year. And if they're healthy, we're better. Let's talk about the winning streak. I know you were kind of a spectator for 75% of it, but just... Talk about you know the team mentality and how special the whole thing was. It was a blast to watch. It's two years in a, in a row these guys have done that. I missed the first one because I wasn't here yet, and then last year I was injured for the majority of it. But watching guys come to the ballpark and basically expect to win every day was pretty neat. So I think also turning you know just a, a middle of the summer you know baseball streak into a national story is, is quite the accomplishment. And it seemed like guys had a blast. The fans loved it. You know, there's certainly. A, a lot of excitement that came from it, and I don't know that we can count on doing it every year, but it, it was a blast to be a part of, and you know, hopefully we get to do it again. Was it a different offseason for you as far as the knee, or, or did you do anything differently? Uh, I'd like to think I work pretty hard every year. I think maybe a little bit of a focus on it, but as I get older, maybe I have to work a little bit older on every, work a little bit harder on everything. But you know, ultimately, I think it was a usual offseason. Off I think uh, you know the year before we played that whole extra month, which was a good thing, but you know, I think I spent more time addressing that than I spent addressing my knee this year. So I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I feel like I'm in good shape and, and healthy and strong and can't wait to get out there. Talk about you touched on the bullpen. Just, you know, the guys we lost, but the guys that could step up and, you know, having you and Cody back there as well. I think, first of all, uh, to me, what we saw to Olsen and Goody last year for young guys to come in and show what they can do was huge, and they're going to be counted on. But, you know, they, they earned that this year, and, and they're going to be a big part of what we do. Uh, you know, McAllister and Otero probably have been overlooked for what they've done. You know, they, they've been steady. They've been really good, you know, for years now. And, and I think with Brian being gone, you know, those guys are going to have to fill that that hole. He left a big hole. He threw a lot of innings, a lot of important innings for us. But I think those four guys alone are capable. And, you know, how it all works out is up to Tito. But he's pretty darn good at figuring that stuff out. So I think we're in good shape. And, you know, we know guys have the stuff and the talent and the ability. It's just, you know, it's up to us to go out there and back it up now. Talk about how selfless you and Cody are. It doesn't matter the role, just as long as it helps the team. Uh, I think hopefully, you know, both of us just want to win. I know, you know, Cody, to me, you know, 
basically said that before I got here when he went to the front office and said, I don't, you know, go out and get somebody, I'll do whatever. And, you know, obviously he's still closing and he's as good of a closer as there is in the league. But I think just that attitude is something that wears off. And, you know, when you are the closer, you know, whether you like it or not, you are kind of the leader of the group. And for him to set that tone goes a long ways. And, you know, if he says that, it's hard for the other six guys down there to, to complain about their position or, or what's going on. They're, all they're doing is buying in on winning games. That's Indians reliever Andrew Miller talking about his and the team's season to come and some high expectations. Now, stay tuned. When we come back, some sad news earlier this week for the Indians as Tito Francona, former Tribe player and uh, well-known as uh, the dad, great dad for Terry Francona, Indians manager, he passed away earlier this week. And we'll have some thoughts and a look back at some of the things that made Tito Francona so special with Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio when we return after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Indian Spring Training in Goodyear, Arizona. Great to have you with us for our first show from spring training this year. And we'll be here all the way through up until opening night in Seattle when the Indians begin the new season against the Mariners on March the 29th. Sad news earlier this week as a former Indians player and the father of current Indians manager Terry Francona, Tito Francona Sr. passed away at his home in New Brighton, Pennsylvania. He was 84 years of age and uh, certainly a lifetime of baseball memories for Tito and Terry Francona. Tito spent six years with the Indians from 59 through 64, and in that first year with the Tribe, that was when Terry was born, and uh, not in Cleveland, but in uh, South Dakota, and then uh, the family moved to Cleveland for the season. And Tito batted 363 that year, finished fifth, in the American League Most Valuable Player voting. And uh, that year was just 34 at-bats shy of qualifying for the batting title. And then in 60, he led the American League in doubles. And then in 61, was an all-star for the American League. Made his debut in 1956 with Baltimore and finished tied for second in the American League Rookie of the Year voting with... Indians Hall of Famer Rocky Calavito. How about that? Ended his career with Milwaukee in 1970, and he was named to the top 100 greatest Indians roster in 2001. A great career on the playing field for Tito Francona. And in his final years, what made them so special the last five years, he has been able to watch his son, Terry Francona, Managed the team that he had so many great memories with, and they shared some great memories along the way as well. None bigger than the 2016 World Series. As always, lending great perspective, Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio, who talked about what made the bond between the two, Tito and Terry, so special, not only for them, but for fans of the Cleveland Indians as well. Well, it absolutely put a smile on everybody's faces Rosie when you think about you know the father-son connection uniquely uh, through Cleveland Indians baseball both have worn a Cleveland Indians uniform uh, Tito beaming with pride that his son was the manager of the Cleveland Indians the last five years we were able to uh, be with Tito and his wife Jean and 
uh, other family members uh, on a regular basis. And it was just joyful, absolutely joyful around the ballpark whenever uh, the two of them got together and able to just, uh, you know, provide uh, that wonderful uh, connection, that, that remarkable father-son bond uh, that extended through Cleveland Indians uniforms. Uh, a sad day uh, when we heard of the passing of, of Tito. Uh, our hearts ached. Uh, I've known Tito, call him a friend, for 30-plus years. First got to know him when we were doing the old equitable old-timers games at Cleveland Stadium when they still had old-timers games prior to the regularly scheduled uh, contest. So um, he would always uh, come back. You know, he spent six years with us, Rosie, uh, through a long career, 15-year career, uh, but he called his time in Cleveland the best of his long career. And so whatever we called, he was always here for us. And then, obviously, uh, when his son became manager, it uh, it just made it that much more special. And you mentioned the playing career for the original Tito and a, a lengthy career. And you can look up the numbers when he was in Cleveland, and, and they, they tell a lot. He was pretty darn good, wasn't he? One of the better hitters in the American League. One of the things that's pretty uh, wild uh, about Tito, 1959, which is the year that Terry was born. Uh, Tito almost wins the batting title, uh, hitting 363. It's a story that's been told uh, many times. He hits 363, but he's 34 at bat shy of qualifying for the batting title as he replaced Jimmy Pearsall, the famed Jimmy Pearsall in center field and in the outfield for the Indians in 59. So he was a little bit shy of at bats to qualify for the batting title or his 363 mark would have indeed led the American League in hitting in 1960. He leads the league in doubles uh, in 61. He's an all-star for us. Uh, just a, a remarkable guy. In 19, actually in his rookie year, um, he tied for second. Um, with Indians Hall of Famer Rocky Calavito for the AL Rookie of the Year when he made his debut with the uh, Baltimore Orioles in 1956. He could absolutely hit a baseball. He gave that gene to his son, who was a remarkable hitter in his day, uh, Terry, uh, number one draft pick. I think most people know the Montreal Expos, a college World Series MVP. His love for baseball, um, it's one thing that his father gave to a son, was uh, an absolute love for the game of baseball and the ability to put the bat to the ball. And, and we saw their relationship uh, the last five years when, when Terry's the manager here. Uh, but you mentioned how, and, and he'll never admit to it, you have to look it up to, to see that Terry Francona was a really good hitter both in college and then um, in pro ball, and unfortunately injuries in the major leagues held him back. But uh, just listening to, to Terry talk about his dad and their relationship when he was younger growing up, I think every dad works with their son differently, but it, it just sounded like Tito let him pave his own way, gave him some opportunities, but 
but really stayed out of the way and, and let him do his own thing. The one thing that he wanted to do in the summertime that uh, Tito would tell me uh, is that the special times he had when he brought his son to the ballpark with him to hang out with uh, Max Alvis's son, Dave Alvis, and a bunch of the other um, you know, young sons of the Indians of that era that grew up in the clubhouse. The ballpark is their playground. Uh, how special that was to have a son in tow um, to just, you know, let roam the outfield. All those guys were very busy getting their, uh, you know, pregame routine going for that ball game that night. So the kids had the run of uh, the ballpark. And I remember him telling a story about one game he's watching in the stands and he always would try to figure out once the game started, all right, I got to go find my kid, look in the stands, see where my kid is because he never knew where Terry was. And all of a sudden he looked right behind home plate. He saw a bunch of other sons, young sons of the players running around the ballpark. And all of a sudden Terry's just right behind home plate. And for a long while there, he would, on every road trip that he'd take him on in the games at home, Terry would find a place behind home plate and watch and always talk baseball with his dad on the way home. And they'd go through the art of hitting. And, and that's when he thought, you know, this kid's got a true love affair for the game. Uh, and while he wasn't there, of course, when he was a little leaguer and, uh, through high school, because he was a big league player, um, they did talk nightly. Uh, about uh, his games and the love of the game. And, uh, uh, again, for all of us to be uh, a part of that, we know how special this game is and how special it is to families for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but to uh, have, you know, two big leaguers in, in one family, that's that's very special. I believe the last time that Tito and Terry were together, was this past Christmas, and in typical Terry fashion, he calls his father and asks him if he got his Christmas present yet that he had sent him. And Tito was like, no, and getting a little worried and felt bad. And Terry said, well, why don't you go to the front door? Maybe it was delivered. Today, go check the front door and see if there's a box on your front door. And he, you know, takes the cell phone, walks to the front door and tells Terry no, because he's thinking Terry's in Tucson. And he comes back, you know, he says, no, uh, you know, I'm sorry, uh, Terry, there's no, um, no present, no box, uh, on the, on the front porch. Uh, and Terry says, well, maybe the guy left it on the back porch for some stranger. He wants you go to the back door and see if it's on the back porch for some reason. So his dad dutifully walks to the back porch, opens up the door, and Terry's standing there uh, to visit over the holidays when I think that he was originally not going to because we um, Terry wasn't doing a whole lot of traveling this winter with his health issues. And so he surprised uh, his father for Christmas, uh, but he couldn't have just walked through the front door and tell them, hey, I'm here. <laughs> he, had to, he had to put that little show on, which uh, uh, 
typical of how those two uh, had fun together. Visiting with Bob DiBiasio, Indians vice president. Uh, unfortunately, talking about the sad news earlier this week, Terry Francona's dad, Tito, passing away midweek at his home in New Brighton, Pennsylvania. And uh, Bobby D., you, you alluded to it earlier, uh, your longtime relationship with Tito Francona, and it, it dates back to the early days of fantasy camp, and there's a tie-in to the radio booth there. The, the great late Herb Score was uh, pretty good buddies with Tito, wasn't he? Oh, absolutely. In the early 90s, we started our fantasy camp program down in Tucson, Arizona in 1990. Um, and so, you know, Herbie and, and Tito were a part of that. And then after Terry retired uh, from his last season of playing in the big leagues was uh, uh, 1990. So a couple years after that, uh, he joined his father um, and they were uh, the two, quote, coaches for uh, a team at fantasy camp. I know a lot of people uh, who had that experience cherished it and are feeling very sad today uh, as to the passing of, of Tito. But he and Herbie, uh, as Herbie and, and Rocky Calavito, they connected at the hip uh, everywhere, um, every night for dinner at camp. You know, it was Tito and Herbie and a group of campers uh, just enthralled with uh, the stories that they would share. But um, to, to have Tito um, as close as we did for the last five years, uh, we were blessed. We were very fortunate. And it comes uh, right on the eve here of spring training beginning. And, and I know this year was kind of up in the air whether he would make it out. But, but that seemed to be a, a fun time when he would come out, at least for a little while, and uh, spend some quality time with Terry. He always looked forward to that, and you know everybody uh, loves spring training. And if you're in this industry, it's one of the greatest times of the year. There's a freshness, obviously, and a, a relaxation, uh, a relaxed atmosphere that's uh, involved in in spring training. Uh, Tito loved coming out, and you know being able to. Uh, mingle with some of the players and just be around because it is a relaxed atmosphere, much different than it would be when he'd come visit during the season and certainly during the postseason. So he loved it. But unfortunately, he had passed along that he wasn't going to be able to make it to the uh, spring training this year. His his legs, uh, you know, he and Gene, his wife, to, to get on an airplane and, and walk airports and ballparks and things of that nature just uh, weren't easy for him. So he was going to um, gonna miss uh, spring training this year. Uh, so and for many, many reasons, uh, he will be missed at the ballpark. Yeah, Bobby, we, we always love having you on, but unfortunately not, a, not under these circumstances, to be sure. This is a, a sad week for the Indians, to be sure. But uh, thanks a lot for coming on and, and sharing some good memories of, of Terry Francona's dad, Tito. Well, my pleasure, Rosie. You know, while our hearts do ache, uh, we do have a smile on our face uh, whenever uh, you think about a guy like Tito Francona and, you know, how he made you feel when you were in his company and the fact that he, for my generation, um, childhood idol, uh, just an incredible fan favorite of, of our generation and, uh, for those of us who were lucky enough to call him a friend, we were blessed.
Well, again, tough week to be sure as it's the passing of uh, Tribe Manager Terry Francona's dad, Tito Francona, earlier this week in New Brighton, Pennsylvania. And uh, funeral services were Saturday, uh, earlier today, if you're listening to this on Saturday and on the podcast uh, over the weekend. So uh, not an easy time, certainly, uh, for Terry Francona, but he is expected back with the ball club early next week. Stay tuned. Some final thoughts after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, our final segment, and a chance to remind you that we will have baseball on the radio on Friday afternoon, the first of 15 spring training broadcasts on the Indians radio network. The Tribe taking on the Reds at Goodyear Ballpark. It'll be a 3.05 first pitch. We'll be on the air shortly before 3 o'clock. Tom Hamilton and myself bringing you all the action of Indians spring training baseball from Arizona. Should be a lot of fun. Just the start of what should be a great season ahead for the Indians. And we'll have it for you in terms of coverage from spring training each week here on Tribe Talk the rest of the way. So stay tuned. Join us next week. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.